Hey, this is Brandon Crane, and you're listening to geeksoftheindustry.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily a We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next... Creature Features, a horror discussion from geeksoftheindustry.com, and now your host, Chunky Larry. Greetings fellow insomniacs and welcome to an incredibly special episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com. I'm your host, my name is Chunky Larry, and about a month ago, I, at the behest of a friend uh, via social media, Brittany Heil, uh, checked out a film by the name of Terrifier, and I was immediately blown away. Um, If you have been listening to this show for a while, you know that pretty much the day after I watched the film, I recorded and posted an episode, just because it was... It, it's it's a special piece of work that harkens back to the, the franchise killers of the 80s. And I had said at the end, at the tail end of that conversation, that characters like Art the Clown and Victor Crowley are ushering in this new wave or renaissance of this slasher genre. And in the way that we remember it, you know, growing up, and I absolutely fell in love with the picture, and I, you know, immediately, like I said, reached out across the internets and scoured to find anybody associated with this project because I think it's fucking amazing. And I have the luxury of being able to sit down with one of those people. The titular character in the film, Art the Clown himself, Mr. David Thornton. How you doing? Is it David Thornton or David H. Thornton? I, I go by um, David Howard Thornton professionally or David H. Thornton because there's actually another David Thornton that's an actor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's a SAG thing, right? Yeah, that's yeah, a SAG thing. He's actually married to Cindy Lauper, so, you know. <laughs> uh, I hear she just likes to have fun. Oh, yeah. Cool, <laughs> yeah. Uh, materialistic, though, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A material girl, you might say. No, that's, yeah, a, different, that's a different person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, oh, yeah. they were very close, kind of like your, you and uh, the other David's name. Oh, uh, exactly. <laughs> but Art, uh, I just called you Art, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> you, you, I, I'm sure you're starting to get that a lot, because this, this film has done in, in a way that not a lot of films have been able to do, uh, but really lit like a firestorm within the horror community, and it's, it's just tearing through every kind of uh, outlet that you see. It's become, you know, memes and buttons and, you know, artwork, and it's it's becoming this cross-platform thing, and, you know, to be able to kind of get in on the ground floor on something this, this unique and this, you know, stylized is always very exciting. 
and and I want to I want to not start there, but get there. I want to okay. first start um, with you, you know, growing up and you know working on voices in Alabama because I I have to assume because I I saw this video on YouTube of yours kind of in preparation for this conversation uh, where you did is it 110 voices in under yeah. 10 minutes? Yeah. So I, I have to assume, because we're both roughly the same age, um, give or take a year, and a lot of the voices that you were doing were voices that I also grew up on. Uh, yeah. and, and it's, you know, everything from Don Knotts to Skeletor to you know, just across the board, you ran the gambit. So what, what was it that you initially started with that got you on that journey? Oh, it, oddly enough, it, it was a girl. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah. Way back when I was in first grade, back I think is like 1986, 1987, like we were having story time in my uh, classroom, and my teacher was reading a Mickey Mouse book to us. And this girl I had a crush on in my class, uh, like, passed me a note, and you know, I opened it up, and it says, Will you be my boyfriend? I'm like, and I let out this gorsh. And I was like, Oh god, where did that come from? <laughs> I discovered my first voice then, and you know, it it really more took off though. Like the next year when uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out, because mm -hmm. I was obsessed with that movie, and there was a special they had on TV. It was a, a whole like behind the scenes how they made the movie, and that's when I learned that Mel Blanc did all the voices of the Looney Tune characters. And I was like, oh my god, one guy did all these voices? That's amazing. And I was like, I want to learn how to do that. And so it was just a skill that I had, and I just picked up over the years where, like, anytime I hear, like, an interesting voice, I want, I try to figure out how to do it. I, I don't know how I do it. It's just some innate skill with me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and over the years, I've now got a repertoire of well over 200 voices. I, I, I lost count years ago and so i'm just like that's eh, 200 plus yeah i do about 10 <laughs> <laughs> hey but as, as long as you do those 10 very well that's uh, all that matters <laughs> that's that could be debated i'm sure people that <laughs> listen to the podcast like no he doesn't do them good at all uh, but it, it is it is one of those things that you know and i kind of had this uh compulsory thing where i just couldn't control myself from blurting things out and I don't know if that's, you know, something that you had encountered, kind of. Oh yeah. As you I'm were. I'm so ADD. <laughs> and and it, it's, I don't like before before it was ADD and ADHD and all these qualifiers for it. They were just saying they would just say, you know, oh your kid's just a, a handful. Yeah. <laughs> I was called a handful quite a bit. <laughs> oh yeah, I was in the office all the time growing up. So. <laughs> and and what. Who was it that said to you, you know, maybe challenge or channel this into, like, the stage? What, was that was, your parents or? Yeah, it was my mom. It was my mom, especially. Well, both of my parents, but more my mom, because mm -hmm. I was actually, oddly enough, um, when I got to like middle school and everything, I was I was this short little guy, like skinny nerd with glasses and braces, and I, I didn't hit puberty until I was like almost 17 years old mm -hmm. and so I had like a you know, boy soprano easy target especially in the south where everything's all about football yeah. <laughs> so it, was like, <laughs> it, it was just like and I, I, I because of it I became really shy during uh, middle school and my mom you know would see how I'd act around the house you know always just doing weird characters and stuff like that and she's like why don't you start you know doing theater and stuff like that because I, I did I um, did a lot of like I, I participated in like choir and stuff like that, both in mm. church and like uh, my school. And I, she just encouraged me to get out and audition for the local community theater there in Huntsville. And I finally, after a few auditions, got in my first show with our local um, theater. It's called uh, Fantasy Playhouse. And I, oddly enough, started off as an offstage voice for a magic stone in the play Rapunzel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, this is still before puberty at this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, Ah, oh, Rapunzel! Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
when, when I they're, tried to lower my voice. They're, still, they're looking like, for that booming voice, and you're, yeah, yeah, you're still was, up here in the falsetto. Yeah, it was more like this. Who calls the buttons? I, I, I would, I would be mortified to go back and hear what I sounded like doing that. And so you didn't have a, you don't have any tapes, any old VHS of not, yeah. Yeah, that was that was before cell phone cameras and stuff like that. Thank God, <laughs> the, the big VCRs that they put on your shoulder. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh jeez, but that's how I got my start, and it just snowballed from there. I mean, I, I actually didn't get a degree in um, theater, though. I got a degree in teaching because I was trying to be very practical and pragmatic with my life. <laughs> And it wasn't until, like, my mom passed away when I was late in college that, um, from cancer that it kind of changed my whole perspective on life. Where I was like, well, you know, I'm not really necessarily happy right now. What's going to make me happy? And I'm like, well, I don't think, like, teaching students is really going to make me happy. I, I feel like my calling is entertaining people and making people laugh. And I'm like, well, shoot, why don't I just do that? And talk to my dad, and he's like, yeah, that. Uh, your mom and I always thought that's what you need to do with your life. We just didn't want to push you one way or another, which I didn't expect. <laughs> you weren't like, the, man, I really wish you would have told me that before the eight years of teaching oh, that yeah. I just went through. Oh, yeah. Especially since like, I was offered like a free ride through college my freshman year in college by the local theater. Uh, oh, the, the, theater uh, the theater professor there, he's like, yeah, we'll pay your whole way through college I'm a theater manager. Like, no, no, no! I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a teacher. No, idiot. <laughs> no, no, no! I really think middle school teaching is is the way yeah, for me. Exactly, and dumb, dumb, dumb. You know, but you know, it's, it 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 surprised me. I was because my my dad's a NASA engineer. I mean, he's retired now, but I'm like, I was expecting like that whole like, no, you've put all this time and effort and money into this. This is you know, you're gonna have a stable career with this. You can support a family. But he's like, no. No, you do you. I was like, holy crap, I thought I was going to have to argue with you. <laughs> hey, you know, honestly, I, I, you know, being a parent, I feel that we get this this automatic association with the, I mean, obviously we're the authority figures, mm -hmm. but, you know, in our heart of hearts, we want, you know, our children to aspire for the thing that really is going to fulfill them. And, yeah. you know, because we're also associated with, you know, you have to be the person that tells them, no, don't touch that. You know, stay out of the road. Quit making those voices in class, David. <laughs> <laughs> you know, since you have to be that person, you, you don't get to get both sides of that coin. So I, I assume, and, and this is just, again, assumption, that it was more you thinking that your parents wouldn't think what you were doing was worthwhile, but then probably the entire time thinking that that was absolutely the way you should have gone. Yeah. It's very true. It's very true. You know, you just never know. But, you know, it's like, that was probably the most, like, freeing feeling I've ever had in my life. I felt like this huge weight was off my shoulders because I could actually go out and do what I want with my life. And get out of Alabama. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there, there, there ain't nothing wrong with getting out of Alabama, uh, especially because yeah. you head to New York from Alabama, correct? Yes. And do you immediately, like, what's the process for you um, as somebody that, you know, went to college for one thing, decided kind of towards the end, eh, this really isn't for me, I'm going to go pursue this other thing. Uh, was it an easy break for you to transition into that? It was, you know, there was a little bit of a learning curve. I mean, I, I moved up here and I had to learn more about the business part of the business. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I, I took classes, you know, here or there, especially like voiceover and stuff like that. And, you know, over the years, you know, I originally thought I was, I, I came up here actually to do stage. I, I was like, I wouldn't be on Broadway and stuff like that. And also maybe do like, you know, voiceover as well. It, it you know, and I've done that. I've, you know, I toured for five years with uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas the Musical as uh, Stephen Carl's understudy as the Grinch. And I also played Grandpa Who in that, too. So I, I've done a lot of that. I've done different regional shows, too. But it's like, um, you know, after a while, like, I want to start, you know, branching out into, like, you know, film and TV if I can. And, you know, Terrifier just fell in my laps. And that, that was a great way to 
break into it, I guess. And in terms of technique, uh, because this is always a question that I'm interested in, especially whenever I speak to somebody that has worked in both theater and in film, uh, because mm-hmm. the, there is such a you know difference in terms of the approach to performance in, in the essence that you're going off of the energy of the crowd when you're on stage yeah. and you're having to manifest that in you know a film setting what would you say is even further so from both of those things in terms of uh, doing voiceover work is there any kind of technique or approach that you use when working on something where you're doing voices um, when I do voiceover work, I basically still act. I, I'm, I'm doing movements with my body, mm-hmm. face, and everything, because I, I think that's just the best way to get the energy of the character across. I, so, I pretend like I'm still on stage or I'm in front of the camera. You're doing the faces and everything as oh, you're yeah. getting yeah. into the voice. I probably look freaking nuts to those sound technicians. <laughs> is that is that, would you say... I'm, I'm assuming you've worked with other voice actors. Is that mm-hmm. a common thing that people do when they're doing voice actors or voice acting, or is that just? I would say the the ones that are actually successful in doing voiceovers, yes, mm-hmm. because you have to act. Because you, how else can you really get the emotions and everything across with your voice if you're actually not acting? I've seen some people that can just sit there and do a whole scene, just deadpan, even though they're supposed to be going crazy and stuff like that you know and and I'm like you don't get the same energy across I've done stuff where I'm doing like fight scenes and stuff like that I'm throwing punches and I'm you know even if I'm having to run I run in place and stuff like that just trying to you know you know get that kind of you know feel and uh, specifically with doing something like a fight sequence and you're having to do the sounds of the punches landing the uh, oh and all that stuff is (laughs) <laughs> do do you have to do like forty minutes of you, just you grunting randomly? Or Pretty is... much. Yeah. There was a, there was like this one video game I did. It was uh, Invisibles: The Lost Kingdom, I think, for like PlayStation Three. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were different characters in that, and they're all like animal characters that have different powers. And so they weren't like typical sounds, anyways. You would be making because they're like animals. Like, but um, but they had weird attacks too. That you're like, but we also had like the um, we I, I did the crazy attacks, but also had like you had to do light hits, medium hits, hard hits, and death blows and stuff like this. So they all had to have different levels of intensity, and then you had to also do where you're receiving those same kind of hits and stuff like that. Is it was quite the challenge. It was like you know I was pretty much forced by the end of that day because it was just, I, I totally threw myself and I was sweating profusely by the end of that session. I'm a fat guy, I always sweat profusely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, you had mentioned that you kind of just uh, lucked into the role of Art the Clown. I, and I know that, you know, with All Through the House, and, you know, obviously to uh, b- a bigger extent because the Terrifier short was what they used for the tail end of that anthology. Uh, oh, you're talking about Hallows I, I, All Hallows All through the house, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, mixing up, I'm mixing up Art the Clown with Lino Velasco. Is, <laughs> but um, with All Hallows Eve, they, you know, it's the anthology and it's, you know, it's the two shorts that he had done and he ties them together with the, the VHS storyline and everything. Um, but a lot of that was you know, an, an early short that he had done that he decided to expand upon with Terrifier. And was it always a decision of his uh, to not go with the same actor who played Art the Clown? Or how did that, you know, come to be? Um, as far as I know, I mean, that Damien's really the one to ask about that because I had nothing to do with any of that process. But um, as far as I know, I believe that Mike Gianelli, who was the original art, mm-hmm. decided to retire from acting. So I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I think he, he just wanted to do other things with his life, plus I think he just didn't want to go through the whole makeup process again. <laughs> and for you, what was the makeup process like? Because there there's a video online 
of like a sped up version of them putting the art the clown makeup on you. Um, was that something that was tiresome for you? I mean, obviously, uh, probably the first day that they're doing it, it's very exciting. It's very new. Yeah. You know, kind of glamorous. These people all spending their time focusing on nothing but you. Um, but as you go on with the production, I can only assume that that's an exhausting process to deal with. It, it can be. I mean, it's usually about a three- to four-hour process on a good day because Damien did the makeup himself, so mm-hmm. sometimes he would have to leave me to go like uh, set up shots or go film uh, scenes or something like that. So I would sometimes be in the chair from like four in the afternoon to midnight before I got out of it. Jesus. So, yeah, it just depended because sometimes you'd have to do a little bit and then go away for a little bit and come back and do some more. So it was like, yeah. yeah, but you deal with it. I'm like, I, I look at, you know, Ron Perlman and, like, Doug Jones, like, when they were doing Hellboy, I mean, they were, like, in the, the chair for, like, eight hours sometimes, you know, just getting all those, you know, day in, day out like that. And I'm like, you know, or Jim Carrey for The Grinch. I mean, he had Robert those, England for Freddy Krueger. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's like, if those guys can do it, so can I. And... Once you get into the makeup, does that do something for you performance-wise to become Art the Clown, or is that, uh, like, when the first time you see yourself in the mirror, and you, you know, you look at yourself and you see this different face looking back at you, is, is there anything that kind of clicks in your head in terms of the approach of the way that you want to treat the clown? I know that, you know, one of the things that was thrown out there about you is that you had done mime work. Is that, you know, something that you use to implement to, you know, uh, inform your performance as the character? Because there's there's something to be said about Art the Clown in Terrifier as opposed to All Hallows Eve. <laughs> I got it right this time. Uh, different seasons. <laughs> but, um, the with Art the Clown, obviously there's, you know, it's an expanded, you know, take on the character. You're, you're getting a little bit more room to play in that world. Um, yeah. But as far as your approach as Art, uh, you know, what were your immediate, you know, interpretations looking at yourself in the makeup and kind of the way that you wanted to, you know, portray this character? Yeah. Um, well, like, looking in the makeup first, um, this is what I do with every role I play when I first get my uh, makeup on. Because I've played so many roles where I have crazy makeup anyway. Mm-hmm. I would always just sit in front of a mirror and just make faces. Just to see how everything looks, how, how it reads to whoever's watching. Which is always fun for me. <laughs> it's like, you know, people walk by me and like, what is wrong with you? It's like, you know, sticking my tongue out, just making like, every facial expression I can. Just And that's what I liked about this makeup that Damien did. It was, you know, it was completely glued to my face, so every, and molded to my face, too. So every little movement I made would read, which is great. And so I had so much fun playing around with that. Um, so, yeah, of course, that helped me, you know, putting on the costume, putting on the makeup, that always helps me. That's that that fine, That's like the icing on the cake for me to solidify a character every single time, every role I play. Um, for this, too, I, um, of course, watched uh, Mike's role as when he played um, Art originally, just mm-hmm. so I could, you know, figure out the nuances and everything like that. It's like, okay, these are his characteristic type things he does, yeah. Like, like like the wave and stuff like that, and all, so I looked at all that, and I'm like, okay, now what can I do to tweak all of that to make it my own thing instead? So I can, I can you know, better, you know, evolve what Mike did. And I, I basically just tapped into like my vast uh, reservoir of knowledge of you know just great physical comedians. You know, I grew up watching the old black and white silent films and. Comedies, you know, like Laurel and Hardy, Marx Brothers, Chaplin, Buster Keaton, all those guys, and also just I um, back when I was about 13 years old, my aunt gave me a big, huge box set of all the Mr. Bean videos. Oh shit! 
Yeah, and so I was obsessed with Rowan Atkinson because that's when I first started really getting into like acting as well at that same age. And I'm like, oh wow, I love what he does because he does so much without saying really anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I always wanted to play a character like that. And I also, you know, have a huge love for, you know, like Jim Carrey and Doug Jones. I mean, they're just amazing. They, those men do amazing things with their body. And also just understudying Stefan for all those years on Grinch. He's an amazing physical comedian himself. He's, uh, you might know him as Robbie Rotten on the show Lazy Town. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my so kid loved that show. <laughs> yeah. A masterclass in physical comedy, and I had always grown up doing a lot of physical comedy, but I had never had anybody that could actually teach me until I met Stefan, because he's a master at it. So I, I, I felt like you know he's basically like the the Socrates to my Plato, I guess you could say. It's just like I you learn from the best, and you know just it. I, I just basically took all of that and mashed it with um my you know like my love for like what. Rob, Robert England did with Freddy Krueger and you know Jason and Mike Myers and all those characters just kind of just put them in a blender in my head and just made a delicious frappe of maliciousness <laughs> out of that. And so. do do you feel like you uh, because you know you don't have to operate within the horror genre to be a fan of the horror genre, right? Um, do you feel that you watched horror in preparation for this, or was it something that you were into kind of getting into it? I mean, it's obviously going to be around, you know, specifically, you know, both of us kind of growing up in the same era, you know, they, and you yep. go to elementary school, you're going to see Freddy, you're going to see Jason, you're going to see Chucky. You oh, know, yeah. Those guys just exist, and you don't have to be a fan to know about those guys. But Oh, yeah. And that was like me at that age too. Like I, I actually did not watch horror films until I was like a senior in high school because my mom was so afraid of horror films mm-hmm. that she, that that fear like impacted me. So I didn't watch them until my friends dragged me out to see Scream Two when it came out. They're like, "Dude, you got to come out! Come on, man!" I'm like, "Okay." okay. And I was like, "Oh, this is fun." What was my mom so afraid of? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Come on, come on!" Yeah, but it was. Like, but I mean, even at that early age, of course, I knew who Jason and Mike Myers, and of course, Freddie. I mean, Freddie was everywhere when I was growing up in the eighties. Yeah, it's like I remember going to the shoe store at Shoe Carnival, and they had Freddie dolls in there. And I was like, oh my god, this guy's nuts. <laughs> but you know, but after that, I, I watched so much horror films, especially in college. I would just go to like my roommate, and I would go to movie gallery and just make it get a huge like stack of you know VHS tapes and just watch them on, on the weekend and stuff like that and so I was already a fan of the genre but you know of course taking on the role I I I kind of have doubled down on watching horror now because it's I, I have a new appreciation for the genre as seeing how everything's done on the other side of the lens was well, there uh, any concern of like uh, maybe you know, not wanting to watch horror for fear of possibly parroting a mannerism. Is that something that you're ever concerned about? Because oh, no. I, I personally, um, like, I won't listen to an interview that somebody's mm-hmm. done on another show if I have any intention of interviewing them. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to subconsciously ask them the same question. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, well, that, yeah, that makes sense. With me though, I'm like I I'm a sponge. I I <laughs> I, I enjoy watching it different. I, I watch everything. I watch all types of movies. Everything. I'm like because I I always think there's something I can learn mm-hmm. from other actors, and I like to take little. I, I I will notice little things they do, and I just put them up in my little data bank in my head. And I'm like, oh, I can pull all that into this, you know, see if I can morph that into something else one day. So I'm like, I think it's foolish for actors not to watch other people's works in fear of like, you know, mimicking them mm-hmm. because you're not, you, there's a way of, you know, honoring what other legends have done before you, mm-hmm. and, you know, but you can also make it your own and, you know, you just have to find ways to do that. And that's what I, you know, I've been trying to do. And uh, it's 
interesting that you say that because I know that you have also worked as the Joker on yes. a Nightwing series that is <laughs> in season three, I believe, on YouTube. Season three, yes. Uh, it's a fan-made series, so it, it takes a while to film everything. <laughs> so, and we had talked a little bit about uh, monologues kind of before we got on with each other, and you had said, oh, I've got these two Joker ones memorized by heart. So I'm assuming oh, yeah. you're a big Joker guy. Oh, of course I am. Um, He's like my favorite villain of all time. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because, you know, he's a sadist and a clown, and yeah. Art is a sadist and a clown. So it's it's a nice accentuation or an extension of essentially what the Joker is, um, with the exception that you don't speak. And right. a lot of the things that, you know, Art is... Or interpreted, you know, it's it's like a, like a Rorschach test, you know. And, and I mean, there are things that are obvious that he's doing, you know. There's no reading into sawing a woman in half. But going to split personality, I guess. I don't know. But there's <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, there, there are moments in in Terrifier uh, where you're, you know. Specifically, the the selfie scene. It yeah, was one of my one of my hands down favorite moments in the film. And you know, in a film that has a lot of really good moments, it, it was one of those things where when it was happening, I immediately like I was like, that's going to get called back. And when it does, it gets called back in a way that I just was not expecting. Um, it's fun because that actually wasn't even written in the script. It, it just it works. Yeah. Yeah, but, she like um, it, it had it written in the script where she took the self selfie of me at the the um the pizza place. It's like when I read the script, like, dang, we gotta like you know bring this back somehow, you know, like make this a joke or something like that later on. It's like, why don't I take a selfie with her dead body? And like, it's like, well, if we get a chance to do that, we'll do that. And it's, we, <laughs> uh, when I, when I was watching the film, I figured it was gonna be during some sort of scene of intense torture that she would be alive to see that you know put back in her face uh, yeah. but the way that the way that you guys went with it was was even better um, I've I've watched horror movies since I was shit 11 years old and like obsessively watched horror films uh, and very rarely am I surprised by things and there were two or three moments in Terrifier that legitimately surprised me uh, just because of the you know the depths that the story goes the the places that you know where in a normal f horror film you know you wouldn't go there but then <laughs> you completely empty a clip into a girl's face like yeah. <laughs> I, I was not expecting that and, no. and you know that's that's one of the things that really works about that film is that you know the places where you expect them to veer away you guys lean in and yep. you know that that constant leaning in is what again you know just takes this into you know where it could have been tropey and you know a lot of the same elements you know familial elements just kind of playing out and keeping it safe it, it design by design was not safe and yeah. that's, again, just kind of the the nature of the Art the Clown character, in my interpretation from watching the film, is that everything you expect is the opposite of what he does. I had, I had referred to it um, when I reviewed the film. There's a professional wrestler, his name is Cody Rhodes, and mm -hmm. he ended up changing his character to another character named Stardust while he was within the WWE. And what he would do is he would set something up to make you think he was going this way, and then he would go the exact opposite way. And it was, you know, he would take moves and move sets and things that he had already established and slightly alter them so you did not expect where he was going. So you were constantly uneven and, and uneasy. And, yeah. you know, that, that works. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like that. That's what I love about the character. He's he's very unpredictable. 
extremely under- and that's what kind of that's why he kind of reminds me of the Joker in that regard. I, I especially like Heath Ledger's version of the Joker in Dark Knight, like you know the the, the pencil scene. It was just like mm-hmm. God, brilliant. <laughs> I that, love that. That was actually going to be my next question: is in terms of the Joker because you know I can tell that you're a bit of an aficionado. Um, what is your favorite incarnation of the character? Oh, my, my favorite, I'm like, by, you know, jeez, I mean, how can you even compare is Mark Hamill's version. I mean, like, Thank that's you. just, you, you, you can't beat, I don't think anybody will be able to be what Mark Hamill has brought to that character. It, it's the, it's the, the lulls in his voice that I, I particularly, yeah. uh, react to. It's not when he's playing it big, it's when he's playing it very small. And, oh, yeah. and you're you're watching him lead you there, but it's the journey of him leading you there, and certain uh, ways of cadence that you know he gets you to the yeah. place where he can do it big. Um, oh, it's just it's it's, it's amazing. I just like ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just wonderful listening to him play the character. It's it's really also interesting going back and watching the original episodes. And seeing how his voice has changed from the beginning to where it is now, like the Arkham games and stuff like that. It's like, you've heard his voice age and, you know, mature with the character as well over the years. Absolutely. And and you hear, I don't know if you've ever watched the original Flash, but when he was doing Trickster, you could hear elements of Joker in the Trickster. And it just, it fucking works. Oh, it's Um, so great. Actually, John Wesley Shipp's a good friend of mine, too. Really? <laughs> yeah, we uh, worked together uh, on this uh, audio drama called Powder Burns that just finished its first season. I played the ep- uh, it was the fifth episode. I played uh, the villain in that off of him. That's... I played this really racist uh, slave owner. He plays a blind sheriff. And it's just it's a fantastic show. And it's just like, he is he's such a wonderful man. That's amazing. I'm gonna have to yeah, check that out. Yeah, he is the black. He truly is Barry Allen in real life. He's just like just such a lovable, just wonderful man. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I I have one last thing that I want mm-hmm. to do with you, and I had sent it to you. I sent okay. you a monologue. Uh, were you able to look that over? Yeah, I had a. I'll have to try to find it real quick. Mm-hmm. On my Facebook? Yes. Um, <laughs> this is something that I haven't done before, but after watching you do the 110 voices in under 10 yeah. minutes, I, uh, immediately the idea had come to me. Um, it's not an original idea, obviously. I've seen other people do this. But I would really like for you to read this monologue Um but I'm gonna. I'm not gonna let you do it easy. I'm not gonna give you a low, like a like a softball. I want okay. you to do the monologue from Apocalypse Now as Don Knotts. Do you think you can do that? <laughs> oh my god, that's gonna be fun. Okay, let, let me find him real quick. Help! <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It's been a while since I've been done. All right, um, gonna have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute my microphone because I know I'm gonna laugh. So, you ready for me? Yep. (laughs) Go for it, dude. It's gonna be crazy. I've seen the horrors, horrors that you've seen. (laughs) Sorry. But you have no right to call me a murderer. You have no right to call me a murderer. You have a right to kill me. You have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me. It's impossible for words to describe what is necessary to those who do not know what horror means. Horror. Horror has a face. And you must make a friend of horror. Horror and moral terror are your friends. If they are not, then they are enemies to be feared. They are truly enemies. I remember when I was with the Special Forces. Seems a thousand centuries ago, 
We went into a camp to inoculate some children. We left the camp after we had inoculated the children for polio. And this old man came running after us, and he was crying. He couldn't say. We went back there, and they had come and hacked off every inoculated arm. There they were, in a pile. A pile of little arms. And I remember I... I... I cried. I wept like some grandmother. I wanted to tear my teeth out. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I want, and I want to remember it. I, I never wanted to forget it. I never wanted to forget. And then I realized, like I was shot, like I was shot with a diamond, a diamond bullet right through my forehead, nipped it right in the bud, and I thought. My God, the genius of that, the genius, the will to do that, perfect, genuine, complete, crystalline, pure. And then I realized they were stronger than me because they could stand it. These were not monsters, nope, these were men, trained cadres. These men who fought with their hearts and with families with children were filled with love that they had the strength the strength to do that if I had ten divisions of those men then our troubles here would be over very quickly you have to have men who are moral and at the same time who are able to utilize their primordial instincts to kill without feeling without passion without judgment without judgment because it's judgment that defeats us I worry that my son might not understand what I've tried to be and if I were to be killed Willard I would want someone to go to my home and tell my son everything everything I did everything you saw because there's nothing that I detest more than the stench of lies. If you understand me, Willard, you, you will do this for me. Oh, that was fucking beautiful. <laughs> I'm fucking crying this whole time. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Wow, that was, that was different take <laughs> <laughs> you, you're finding your way out of the voice still that's amazing <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> oh my god oh that was perfect <laughs> Jesus Christ. I bet Give you haven't done that on any it. other podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh shit oh, oh fucking boy. A. that Woo. was fun that was a fun challenge. <laughs> All right. Um, please tell people where they can find out more about you uh, in the world of social media. Oh, boy. Well, um, yeah, you can find me on like... Um, <coughs> sorry, I got choked up. Uh, you can find me on like uh, Twitter under David... At, well, at David H. Thornton. Um, Facebook and Instagram, I believe I'm under David Howard Thornton. And also on YouTube, you can find me under uh, David Howard Thornton, I think, as well. Very awesome. Oh, my God. Uh, my <laughs> eyes. I, I've, I've got legitimate tears in my eyes. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> if you guys are here just for David, and this is your very first episode, but you've enjoyed what you've had to hear, uh, first of all, thank you for listening, and uh, you can find out more about us a couple of different ways. You could start off by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash creature pod, by following us on Twitter and Instagram at creature pod. I just, I'm <laughs> speechless. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I do a really shitty Skeletor. That was like, <laughs> that was like a full on fucking performance. And it, it was amazing. So, uh, 
you know, hats off to you. I, I, I have to assume that you guys are going to be doing more of the Art the Clown story, correct? That, that's... Oh, definitely so. Definitely so. I think uh, Damien's just about to start writing the sequel right now, so. Kid, we got we got kid, some fun ideas. Can I can I please put out uh, just one thing? Okay. All right. So maybe there's a special unit dedicated to just rounding this guy up. Huh. And and one of the guys was tormented by a clown as a child. And just just go with me on this journey, okay? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> he he wakes up in a cold sweat from a nightmare. And he goes to a mirror and he just smears clown makeup on his face. <laughs> and and he, you know, they get Art in a vulnerable position. And uh, if you want to pass this on to David, great. If not, yeah. you know, you don't have to. But, you know, he's, he's painting Art's face. And Art is so thrown off by how much more unwound this guy is than him. <laughs> you know, he he butchers people, but yeah. this guy, this cop, this straight-laced cop, is so fucked in the head from some experience that he had with a clown when he was a little kid at a birthday party that he is just completely broken mentally and is now abusing art. Just a thought. <laughs> Who knows? We might be able to do something with that in the future, film. Uh, yeah. Just, just toss it out there. I always. Yeah, I, I kind of like that idea, though. That's, that's 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 a fun idea, especially like a task force, all that kind of stuff too. It's just like, oh, there's there's potential there. And you can you can have you know the girl on the table with all of her limbs missing, you know the girl with her face completely destroyed. You know, all of these different, you know, things that Art has done and, and really build the mystique of, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't it was just those two incidents, that there's several incidents all kind of correlating with this clown. And, you know, just, you know, a, a, a pegboard of all these really just vile things that are also kind of silly and only a clown would do. <laughs> Just, just a thought. Oh no, it's a great thought. I love it. This is, I, I love these kind of things. This, the, <laughs> you have no idea how many times like I will think of something or Damien will think of something. and We text each other like, "Hey, came up with this really crazy idea." <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I I can only assume that you know there's there's some kind of creative well that he drinks from because yeah. again. Uh, that movie was next level, and I'm just thrilled and uh, pleased to have been able to, you know, have you on the show. Uh, just super fucking talented, and I, I will forever cherish the Don Knotts thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm literally gonna isolate that audio, and I'm gonna just make that a YouTube clip because it, it was yeah. fucking magic. That needs to go viral now. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a thing of beauty. Uh, you did it, and I thank you for it. Uh, Art the Clown reads Apocalypse Now as Don Knotts. <laughs> but, uh, oh my God. You, you have no idea. I, I haven't had someone ask me to do Don Knotts in so long because, like, so many people don't know who he is anymore. And I'm like, oh my God, come on. Barney Fife? That's what I was known for in college, too. Is, I mean, that was, like, one of my nicknames in college. So uh, dude, like, uh, I, I also think of Scooby Doo when he played all of oh, the different yeah. parts. You know when they would go to that ghost hotel, and he's the he's the bellhop. He's, you know, all these what different are you things. What boys doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my hotel. <laughs> yeah, we want to check in. Like, whoa, man, yeah. Oh, uh, I, I can I can completely see you just having an entire scene with yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you go. Uh, that's going to do it for us, you guys. I literally would keep this guy forever and just have him do voices for me. Uh, maybe for my birthday, I'll have him do another one. <laughs> I have not for birthdays just to do voices for people. Happy birthday to you! <laughs> Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. 
<laughs> but that is gonna do it for us, you guys. Happy birthday! Better <laughs> <laughs> you fool! It's time for his birthday cake. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! That was the Craig, you guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm keeping all of this in, by the way. But for David H. Thornton, David Howard Thornton, and for myself again, my name is Chunky. This has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on GeeksOfTheIndustry.com, Stitcher, and Apple Podcast. Listen with someone you trust. <laughs>